Hello, and welcome to the Punt the QB podcast. It's your friend Tim here, and as you can tell, I'm not Rick. My partner, Ricky Vegas, is under the weather. Um, Couldn't even get his voice going for this podcast, but we did not want to leave you guys without content and a fun podcast leading into the divisional round of the playoffs. So you get a solo show, but that doesn't mean we're not going to have fun. Now, usually our opening segment is all the fun headlines that have gone on the last week in the sports world and, of course, football. Now, in the overall sports world, you're talking regular season NBA, regular season NHL. Eh, you can keep it. If the players don't care, why should I? NCAA basketball's heating up. But, of course, the big story is the NFL playoffs. And there's no other way to say it. That is what was the big story this past week, so let's talk about it. You had a 27-point comeback. You had two games that were supposed to be close, ended up being blowouts. You had two games that were supposed to be blowouts, ended up being close. And it was crazy. So, of course, we got to go right into what happened between the Chargers and the Jags. Now, the final score was 31-30, but that does not tell the story of this game. It started off right out of the gate. Mike Williams Chargers star wide receiver missed the game. Why? Because he got injured in a week 18 game that meant nothing. Brandon Staley, how this guy still has his job, I'm not sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to see people lose their job, but I tell you what. He played guys during week 18 in a game that did not matter. Mike Williams has missed time with an injury. Keenan Allen has too. We documented it all last week. So, of course, you start the game without a wide receiver. But the Jags have a nightmare first half. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Trevor threw four interceptions. They had a uh, muffed punt. And, of course, the Chargers took advantage, took a 27-0 lead. But Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson were able to keep the ship steady. They got a touchdown before the end of the half, and they just chipped away. They outscored them 24-3 in the second half. And it was crazy. I mean, obviously added to it was the Joey Bosa. He just went crazy. I mean, he got called for a questionable neutral zone infraction on what would have been a 15-yard loss in a sack. Ended up keeping the Jags drive alive. They scored. He's still frustrated. You could see it boiling over. The tackle in front of him had two what looked like false starts that didn't get called. And then all of a sudden, he's chucking his helmet around, and he's got himself a couple personal fouls, which, of course, contributed to the Jags deciding to go for two to get um, within two points instead of being behind three. And, of course, the field goal won the game. It was an awesome game. I mean, I'm not just happy because I had the Jags in the game and I made a little bit of money on it. It was just an awesome game to watch. Now, of course, the loss after you had a 27-point lead for the Chargers is going to cost somebody. Somebody's head's got to roll. Of course, it wasn't Brandon Staley, which is weird. I'm not sure what part of analytics says, yeah, we got a 27-point lead. Let's only run our Pro Bowl running back, Austin Eckler, 13 times. But uh, it did cost the Chargers offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, and quarterback coach Shane Day their jobs. So uh, we'll see what happens with there. But it it was overall was an awesome game to watch. I tweeted about it. This is why we watch the playoffs. It was pretty awesome. Now, of course, the first game of the playoffs was the Seattle and San Fran game. Now, the final score was 41-23, but I tell you what, if you watched this game, and I did, the first half, Seattle Seahawks played perfect football. They played a great game. They actually went into the half with a 17-16 lead. 
And then, of course, the second half happened. Brock Purdy, and I know we're all waiting for midnight to strike and him to turn into a pumpkin, but not so much. Brock Purdy had an amazing second half. This guy ended up with 332 passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a rushing TD. We're talking about Mr. Irrelevant. We're talking about their third-string quarterback who was drafted last in the draft. And he just had an amazing comeback. Now, they have a ton of weapons, but the fact of the matter is we've seen teams with subpar quarterbacking and a ton of weapons still not get it done. So just an amazing second half by the Niners. One shout-out to the Seattle Seahawks. DK Metcalf did his part. He had himself a day and a loss. Ten catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns. There was a lot of chippiness toward the end of the game, too. But, uh... These two teams, when they play next year, should definitely be fun. It was it was a fun game to watch, too. Now, the first game on Sunday, the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills, this one was supposed to be a blowout. That's what I was talking about. The Buffalo Bills were a 13.5-point favorite, and everything was looking good for them coming in. They were the, one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They're at home. They've got all the good mojo going for them. And the Dolphins were on the road, just squeezed into the playoffs in that rousing 9-6. Yes, I know it was 11-6 game. And they're on their fourth string, or I'm sorry, their third string quarterback, who was a fourth round rookie. So everything was pointing bills. And Rick pointed out a great stat, how all these double-digit favorites in the playoffs almost always cover. And uh, this one was closed. Honestly, the Bills were lucky to squeeze by. I mean... And let's be honest, Josh Allen is the one who kept the Dolphins in this game. I mean, he had two interceptions, three fumbles lost. I mean, the Bills were extremely lucky to hang on, you know. And it was a fun game to watch, but you you kind of stuck with it because you're like, wait, is this going to happen? You know, you kind of put the game on in the background and you're making lunch, you know, cracking open a beer, doing something on your phone. You're like, yeah, I'm going to have it on in the background, but it's going to be a blowout. Then you kept watching. You're like, wait, is this happening? Are the Dolphins going to win this game? And, I mean, hell, I mean, when Cole Beasley caught the touchdown, my only thought was, is Cole, wait, when did he come back on the Bills? When when did that happen? But, I, I mean, it, again, it was a fun game to watch. And I, I know, like I said, I, I know we don't really need to review a wild card game that ended up being 34-31, but that doesn't tell the story of the game as well. Sometimes, like I said, guys just watch box scores or watch the scores across the bottom crawl, and you're like, oh, yeah, they won. But it's like, man, the Bills were really lucky to hang on. The Dolphins had a couple drives where they could have won this game, and it just goes to show, and I'm not saying that Skylar Thompson was great in this game. Ty Tyreek Hill was for the Dolphins, but it goes to show between the Dolphins and the Niners, why it's always a good idea to take a quarterback on day three of the draft, either every year or every other year. I mean, because you never know. This was the year of the third-string quarterback. We've been documenting it all year long. And if you spend a day three pick on a quarterback, you never know. I mean, it's like buying the scratch-off ticket at the gas station with your change. You just never know. I mean, if they don't work out, oh, well. They're they're on a rookie deal. And, in, you, know, you know, from Brock Purdy's case, he's a seventh-round rookie. Uh, Skylar Thompson has been called into duty on a couple occasions, and he, he kept the Dolphins above water. He kept them, you know, pun intended. He kept them afloat. So it just goes to show why it's always a good idea, in my opinion, to take a quarterback on day three of the draft. It was an entertaining game to watch. The Bills, I mean, when they're firing on all cylinders, they 
they're pretty much unstoppable, especially in offense. Hell, the NFL changed the playoff overtime rules for the Bills because, heck, they made the mistake of leaving the Chiefs 11 seconds. We all remember that game. But I, I've been saying multiple times on the podcast, Rick's a little leery, but I've been saying multiple times on this podcast that I think the Buffalo Bills are a team of destiny. They were the overwhelming favor going into the season. They have twice as many bets on them as anybody else this year. But uh, they were definitely lucky to squeeze by in this one. Now, probably one of the more exciting games to happen on Sunday was the Giants-Vikings. You know, the final score was Giants 31, Vikings 24. And going into this game, whether you watch NFL Network, the VEASAN Network, whatever you watch, all the quote-unquote experts, <coughs> all they kept saying was, well, if there's going to be a team that over, you know, an underdog that wins straight up, it's going to be the Giants. And, and that's because all the analytical numbers said it. Now, the Vikings, you take nothing away from them. They had a 13-4 and season. They had a great season, but let's face it, it was only a matter of time. We talked about all the underlying analytics pointed towards the Vikings not being nearly as good as their record. I mean, like I said, the negative three-point differential during the regular season, the fact that they were 11-0 and one-score games. I mean, these are not trends that continue on, and, and the Giants had a great game plan. And we talked about it when I talked about the Chargers-Jags game how Brandon Staley threw his guys out there in a game that didn't matter. Not Dayball. Dayball, week 18, they were locked into the sixth seed, and they said, you know, we're going to treat it like a preseason game. And they played all their practice squad guys, and it worked out great for them. These guys were rested. You could tell after a long season they needed the rest, and they had a great game plan. Their best weapon for this game was Daniel Jones, and they took advantage of it. The Vikes could not stop him. He threw for 301. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, added 78 rush yards. I mean, it was just a great offensive game plan and on defense. You know, Dayball doesn't get enough credit. He gets credit for helping Josh Allen and, and what he did there and when he's been able to really revolutionize Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones should be thanking him. He should make Dayball his new agent because this guy's about to get paid. But they had a great they had a great game plan on defense as well. The Giants double teamed Justin Jefferson on every flipping play. Whether it was inside outside or over under, he was double teamed on every play. He had seven catches, but only for 47 yards. So that is not nearly anywhere near his season average. He is a great playmaker. And they had it, they just they said, hey, we're not gonna let him beat us. And the fact of the matter is Kirk Cousins couldn't adjust. And they just couldn't keep pace. So I mean they just looked really good, and Dayball shown that sitting your guys in a meaningless game to get some rest was important. It really was. So now the, another game that happened Sunday night that was, again, supposed to be a blowout, the, the spread was nine going into the game because Lamar Jackson didn't play, was this Ravens-Bengals game. And if you watched it, again, it was another exciting game. And if you the, the Ravens had a great approach. Tyler Huntley was ready. They they really deserve to win this game. Now, the final score says Cincinnati 24, Baltimore 17. But let's be honest. It's all because of that 98-yard fumble return from Sam Hubbard. I mean, Huntley's trying to go over the top, which I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on. I know J.K. Dobbins after the game, he's like, why am I not getting the ball? You know, it was a, you know almost like the Marshawn Lynch, uh, Russ Wilson thing in the Super Bowl. But I digress. But yeah, 98-yard fumble return for Sam Hubbard, and that completely flipped, flipped the script. The Ravens were going in. They were playing good defense all night, and all of a sudden, one 98-yard fumble return later, and the Bengals were in the lead and did not give it up. And it reminded me a lot of that Super Bowl. 
And God, if I look at Rick, he would know which one. But, you know, it's the Arizona Cardinals against the Pittsburgh Steelers when Santonio Holmes had that great game. But we all forget the 99-yard return by Jerome Harrison. He had that uh, interception return at the goal line. Kurt Warner's trying to get a score as they're going into the half. And Jerome Harrison's like, uh-uh-uh. Yeah, 99-yard return. But, yeah, that's what the fumble return reminded me of. So it was just really cool. And, and the Bengals... One thing, they won this game, but they just cannot run. I mean, they they don't really make an attempt to it. I know they tried to revamp the offensive line in the offseason, but they were 29th coming in in rushing, and Mixon, 11 carries, 39 yards. And I'll detail later, but if you listen to all my money-making opportunities last week, I called it. I said the under, and that's what hit. I mean, they just, it was a mismatch. The Ravens are good at stopping the run, and they played really well. There's no other way to say it. They played absolutely well. So, I mean, the Bengals, they moved on, and it's a fresh game. We're going to see the game we were hoping to see a couple weeks ago with the Bengals and the Bills. So that should be a good game. But that Sunday night game was definitely entertaining, and I think NBC's glad they picked that one. But, of course, the week ended with the Monday Nighter, the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, the 31-14 final did not tell the story. This was all Cowboys all the way. Now, the Bucks got a a cheap touchdown at the end, the old garbage time touchdown with the two-point, and actually recovered the uh, onside, which was pretty cool. But yeah, this was all Cowboys all the time. And that's we always talk about, they even talked about it before the broadcast, all the graphics they go through. Oh, Dak Prescott's 1-3 and three in the playoffs, and can Dak, you know, can Dak do it? Or, you know, the GOAT, who's 7-0 and against the Cowboys, going to do it again? And I'm not going to lie, I thought he would too. I, I mean, the Cowboys, once, you know, ever since Jimmy Johnson left, every time the Cowboys make the playoffs, they find a way to crap down their leg. But not this time. I, I mean, they really didn't. It was 18 nothing at the half. And and Dallas did not look back. Dak looked amazing. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He shook off the narrative that he is not good in the playoffs, at least for now. He had 329 total yards, five total touchdowns, and the key thing, zero turnovers. I mean, he had finished the season with like seven straight games of interceptions, looked terrible against Sam Howell and the Washington football team, but not in this one. Dak looked amazing. So we'll see what he does against the Niners in that amazing defense but for one game Dak looked great and not only that but Dak's Dallas's defense we keep talking about Dan Quinn and and you know of course what happened with him and the comeback in the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl but he had a great approach that I'm surprised people haven't done more often to Brady he was smart we're gonna blitz and we're gonna rush up the middle and move Brady off his spot he's a 45 year old quarterback and he's not mobile so the game plan should always be blitz him up the middle blitz him up front Get him off his spot because he's not going to outrun around the corner. He's not going to bootleg. He's, you know, they're obviously not going to have design runs. They had a great approach. And the return of Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen for the Bucks just could not help. They already had the worst run game in the league coming in, and they had a total of 12 carries for 52 yards. So the Bucks could not get anything going, and the Cowboys looked absolutely amazing. <laughs> of course, the one thing people on the Cowboys said I can remember from this game, Brett Maher. He had the yips. I mean, if you're a golfer, you you know what happens when you've got the yips. But he had the yips. He, he missed four straight extra points. And usually, if you play for Jerry Jones and you miss four straight extra points, you don't get to take the flight home. But uh, as of this recording, he's still on the team. So, uh, I mean, I, I give Jerry Jones credit for showing remorse. I, I mean, I felt bad. I mean, you're watching the broadcast and you feel bad for this guy. Because, you know, what's the old adage? You had one job. 
And, uh, I mean, he had a great season, but uh, it was a bad game. Now, luckily, it didn't cost the Cowboys. They absolutely dominated this game, and they deserved to win. So we'll, we'll definitely see what happens in the next round. And speaking of the next round, let's get right into it, my friends. The divisional round is here. Some people say this is the best weekend of NFL football because you've got eight teams that legitimately could all win the Super Bowl. But I, I'm with you. I love the divisional round. Now, I'm you're not going to top Super Bowl. Super Bowl is an event in my mind. And opening weekend is something special, too. But the divisional round is awesome. We got four games and let's hit them. You know, Saturday at 3.30 Central, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars fresh off to their 27-point comeback at Kansas City. Now, the Chiefs are a nine-point favorite, totals 53. The Chiefs have won 10 of the last 11, but the Jags are 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six. So if these trends continue, it looks like a Chiefs win, but a Jags cover. But we'll see. If you're a trends guy, keep an eye on that. Now, last week we had the unique thing where all six games were a rematch of regular season games. Not so much this week, but this is. This is a rematch of a Week 10 game between the Chiefs and the Jags where the Chiefs won 27-17. Mahomes went off in that game. 331, four touchdowns. Uh, Pacheco had 82 yards rushing. Kelsey did his usual six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Now, Trevor, he was still working on his craft, and we forget this guy's a second-year quarterback. He's taken a massive leap. I'm really proud of what the Jags have done. We've detailed it the last couple weeks. I feel like they've done their A to B. They took that big season leap. Doug Peterson's got them moved in the right direction. I think they're going to own the AFC South for a few years to come, but I'm not quite sure they're ready for prime time, but... Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not saying it's going to end up being a blueprint of what happened week 10, but it could be close. And You know, like I said, are the Jags ready for the big leagues? We'll see. Going into Arrowhead can be very intimidating and for any team. You know, the Jags, Trevor Lawrence is not the only young member of this team. You know, Travis Etienne, their backfield, a lot of the guys that they've crafted on this team are young guys. So going to Arrowhead is going to be an experience. I think it's going to be good for them, but I think the Chiefs win for by about a touchdown. But we'll see. And that's the thing is the only thing you got to look out for if you're the Chiefs is, is this a look ahead? Are, are they stopping to look in bed and be like, ooh, do I play the, the Bengals, which of course went into Arrowhead and won that game last year in the AFC Championship? Do we have a rematch against the Bills where it's going to be a track meet? Whoever has the, I mean, you know, like I said, these we forget these people are human, you know? And uh, sometimes... They get, you know, they can look at the clippings. They can look at the spreads themselves and be like, oh, we're going to win this one. So the only danger there for the Chiefs is the old look ahead. But uh, Andy Reid, give him a week, an extra week to prepare, and he usually kicks ass. So I, I think the Chiefs are going to win this one by a touchdown. Now, for a money-making opportunity, we do have a mismatch. And I'm going to give you guys this one. The Chiefs are number one passing offense in the league. The Jags' defense is 28th versus the pass. Now, the total for Patrick Mahomes is 310.5 at our friends at DraftKings. He had 331 yards in Week 10. So the money-making opportunity here, the mismatch here, suggests to go over the Pat Mahomes pass yards of 310.5. Okay, I think that's a great opportunity. I think Rick, if he was here, he would probably shake his head. And he's like, I can get on board with that because uh, Ricky's level-headed, if nothing else. I'm the crazy one. He's a little level-headed. But... I, I think that's going to be a good game. I'm, I'm glad I get to watch that on Saturday afternoon. Now, Saturday night game, we got Giants-Eagles. And anytime you see divisional matchups like this, 
you really kind of throw, you know, what's the old adage? You throw out the records. Well, the Giants, 9-7-1. The Eagles, 14-3. Now, the Eagles are a 7.5-point favorite, and that hook intrigues me. More on that later. Totals, 48. Now, this the Giants' last week victory was their first playoff win in 11 years. So, Dayball's got them playing well. Daniel Jones is playing well. Saquon is fresh. They had a great defensive approach last week. I'm not saying they're going to go in here and win this game, okay? I'm just saying, hey, they're 7-1 against the spread in the last eight, and the hook really intrigues me. So if your site, you can get it at 7.5. I think that's a really good value, okay? As far as the game itself, I mean, now the Eagles won both regular season games, but you, of course, got to have the asterisk, you know? Now, week 14, they won 48-22 in the Meadowlands, and, and it wasn't that close. I mean, they absolutely boat-raised them. Now, week 18 was 22-16, but that was the Giants' practice squad. And what's the old adage, my friends? It's tough to beat a team three times. So we'll see. I'm not calling for the outright upset, but I really think the Giants can keep this one close. And if you can keep it close, weird things happen at the end of football games. That's all I'm saying. So I'm really excited for this one Saturday night on Fox. Um, like I said, I I just really believe it's three. It's hard to beat a team three times in a row. Now, Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, he did play the last week of the season because they did need to win the game to get secure the first round by, but he definitely needed this week of rest. So we'll see how they come out. Again, 48-22 in the Week 14 matchup, but I don't think these two are the same team. I mean, you know, sometimes you stack a couple wins together, you get momentum going, and, and the Giants really impressed me in that game against the Vikings. So we'll definitely see. Now, for money-making opportunities, my friends, I've got another mismatch for you. we got the Giants' passing offense is 26th. The Eagles are number one defensively against the pass. So huge mismatch that favors the Eagles' defense. Now, after what Daniel Jones last did last week, you're, people are going to want to go over. But I'm telling you what, the money-making opportunity here is to go under Daniel Jones' pass yards of 221.5. Now, back in Week 14 in the game he played in, he threw for 169. So when you've got a mismatch like that, where the Eagles are number one pass defense, there's an opportunity there. So go under on the Daniel Jones pass yards of 221 and a half, okay? Now, of course, the third game is the game most of us are waiting for. This is the game that's exciting. I really believe either one of these teams wins, has no problem going to Arrowhead. And now, of course, if Buffalo wins, it's going to Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But we've got Bengals-Bills. The, Beng the Bengals are a five-and-a-half-point dog, because, of course, the Bills are favored at home. Totals 48.5. So interesting to see that the Bills are favored by 5.5 because the part of that game we did get to see a couple weeks back, the Bengals looked like the better team. But, of course, a lot has happened since then. We all know that. So we'll see. I, I don't know that we're going to get emotions resurface. I mean, DeMar Hamlin is not only home, but he's actually been at the Bills facility a lot. So I, that's why I kind of feel like the Bills are a team of destiny if they weren't already. But I'm really excited to watch this game. I, I, I'm telling you, you tell me any scenario, I'd be like, I could see it. You know, I mean, honestly, these two teams are both red hot. I talked about how the Cincinnati Bengals were 13-3 and against the spread this season. Uh, best record in football against the spread, and they've covered eight straight games as underdogs. So again, if you believe in trends like I do, 
I, I'm really intrigued by those stats, you know. Now, of course, you could say last week the Bengals against the Ravens didn't really win. They escaped. And that's what it was. They absolutely had to escape versus the Baltimore Ravens. But they did. And you know what? You turn the page and you move on to the next week. And I, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. I mean, if not, I mean, I, obviously, if you're a fan of defensive football, you might want to close your eyes for this one. But offensively, I'm telling you, the weapons on the two teams are, are – I'm really intrigued. This is an awesome game. And, I mean, I don't know. I, I think the Bills had a wake-up call last week against the Bill, the Dolphins. And if – obviously, if Josh Allen turns the ball over five times like he did last week, good things are not going to happen. You know, the, the Dolphins behind a third-string quarterback are not going to win that game. But the Bengals, if you give them five turnovers, the Bengals are going to win that game. You know, so we'll see. A lot of it rests on the shoulders of Josh Allen. And let's be honest, that is what makes the Buffalo Bills machine move is Josh Allen. So definitely keep an eye on that. Now, of course, I've got your back, my friends. Money making opportunity here as well. We have another mismatch. I've referenced it a couple times, but that doesn't mean making more money isn't good. The Bengals offense is 29th in rushing. The Bills defense is number five versus the rush. So obviously a huge mismatch for the Bills' defense when it comes to the rush game. And let's be honest, if this is a track meet, I don't know how much Joe Mixon's going to be on the field if they're running a lot of two-minute offense, a lot of, you know, hurry-up offense. That's when Samaj P. Ryan gets on the field. So for a money-making opportunity, my friends, you heard it here. Go under Joe Mixon's rush yards of 48.5. I know betting unders are no fun, and I've told you two straight unders. But you make your money where you make your money. I mean, that, that's what it is. So, yeah, big mismatch, money-making opportunity there for you, my friends. Joe Mixon under 48.5 rush yards. But definitely going to be an awesome game at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Now, the Sunday Nighter, of course they're going to put Dallas on the Sunday Nighter. They're the ones that draw ratings. So you got the Dallas Cowboys at the Niners. The 49ers are a four-point favorite at home, well, in Santa Clara. Over-under is 46. I know, Rick would give me the look when I say that, but it's true. Um, yep, totals 46. 49ers are the red-hot team in the NFL. They have won 11 straight games. Nobody is hotter. We've documented the whole Brock Purdy mania, and we keep, let's be honest, we keep waiting for him to strike midnight and turn into a pumpkin. I, I mean, it's an overused adage, but it's true. We keep waiting for this to happen. Now, is it going to be happen this week? I don't know. If you look at the recent history between the 49ers and the Cowboys, that would suggest otherwise. You know, I mean, now this is not a rematch of the regular season, but it is a rematch of last round's, uh, last year's playoffs, okay? We all remember that game. Dallas is at home. They're moving. They're out of timeouts. And what does Dak do? He runs up the middle. And they're like, go ahead. The, the Niners defense gave them in the middle field. Dak slides. They try to spot the ball, but the ref picks it up. He's like, no, no, the players can't spot the ball. The ref has to spot the ball. And, of course, then they ran out of time. So, I mean, the, the score was 23-17, but the end of that game was crazy. So we all remember that one. Now, this one is in Santa Clara, and the Niners are a different team. They got Christian McCaffrey. They got Brock Purdy, a quarterback. So we'll see. I, I mean, I again, I, another – man, the NFL, there's a reason the most watched – television events every year is the NFL. It's just it's too fun to watch. And, and this is an example of one that's going to be too fun to watch. Now, has Dak taken the next step 
you know, Rick was joking about the first take episode where they're like, oh, is Dak going to ascend to the level of, you know, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts? And you're like, well, wait a second. Jalen Hurts is younger than Dak. And, and that's true. Dak is a great guy. He does commercials. His teammates love him. Uh, and he's an amazing guy. But he's good but hasn't shown to be great yet. You know, he'll put up great numbers, but Dak needs to take the next step, and he has to do it in the playoffs. Going to San Francisco is going to be a tough challenge. There's no other way to say it, you know. And for San Francisco, the best way to neutralize Micah Parsons, run the ball. Run the ball in short passes. Well, who do they have? Christian McCaffrey. Kyle Shanahan loves to run the ball. He's got a two-headed monster from Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And so what's the best way to neutralize a pass rusher? Get rid of the ball quickly. That's what Tom Brady and the Bucks didn't realize last week. If you're going to neutralize Michael Parsons, you run the ball and you have short passes. Hello, Christian McCaffrey. You know, so I, I, I think the Niners win this game. Uh, four is, of course, over the magic number of three, but under seven. And I think this could be one of those games where the Niners cover. I know my partner Ricky Vegas agrees, and we'll more on that momentarily. But uh, as far as huge money-making opportunities in the prop world, I don't really see... There's not a huge mismatch. There's no stats I can give you to back this up, but I tell you what, the old gut feeling, you know, where I store all 20-something years of beer residue um, in the gut is telling me that Dak's going to throw an interception. So his total on DraftKings for interceptions, of course, is 0.5, is half. I think he's going to throw at least one. Now, the juice is going to cost you a buck fifty. So... If you're risk adverse or if you're looking for values or something like that, that's not a good value bet. But I'm telling you, I, I think Dak throws at least one interception. The Niners' defense is is amazing, and we're again we're still waiting Dak to become day, playoff Dak, which is not good. <laughs> you know, we're not talking playoff Lenny here. So, uh, no huge money making opportunity on the mismatch, but definitely think Dak's going to go over his interceptions of half. If you don't like the juice of minus 150, uh, do a same-game parlay. Boost that up. Take the Niners. Because let's face it, if Dak throws interceptions, the Niners are probably going to win this game. So should be a really good game. Uh, I know my partner Ricky Vegas is looking forward to it, and uh, we all are. I mean, if you're listening, you love football, and there's nothing better than the playoffs. It's Everything gets ratched up a notch. So We'll definitely wrap this baby up with our best bets and some fun odds that I would love to have bounced off of Ricky Vegas, but I'm going to bounce off of you, my friends. Speaking of odds and best bets, I've got some fun ones for you, my friends. Now, usually we end these episodes with our best bets, and I've got Ricky's best bets. I've got mine. So hopefully you're following along with us because at least I was red hot last week. Now, before we wrap it up with best bets, I did have some fun with odds. You know, some stuff I wanted to bounce off my partner, Ricky Vegas. But uh, now I get to bounce it off of you, my friends. I I know the executive producer, Malcolm, is out there. Um, There's some fun odds once things happen. A lot of times you're going to go overseas to Bavada or whatever. But here, DraftKings had some fun stuff I thought I'd point out. Now, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens just got eliminated. Of course, Lamar wasn't on the field. A lot of talk about this this past week, and he actually had to defend himself on Twitter, which players shouldn't have to do. These guys love to play. They live for the playoffs. If this guy could have got out there, he would have. But now this one you're going to have to, you know, stretch with me a little bit here. But Lamar, if he doesn't return to the Ravens, which I don't know that there's any way that he he doesn't, they're either going to franchise him or, or give in to his demands because finding a quarterback in league, a quarterback in this league, like we've seen, is tough to do. So 
But they do, on DraftKings, you can find this. Lamar's next team if he leaves Baltimore. Now, the favorite, according to them, is the Jets at plus 250. I could see that. They've been desperately trying to fill the quarterback position for years, and they still don't have the answer on their team. Hell, week 18, they threw Joe Flacco out there. Um, second favorite, if you will, the Atlanta Falcons. Again, I could see that. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody's sold on Desmond Ritter. Third favorite, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're obviously already moving on from Derek Carr, so we'll see there. They're at plus 750. Panthers are plus 750. We've documented in great deal the amount of length they've gone to try to find their next quarterback. So we'll see. Hell, they bounced between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, so... Uh, the Patriots, which caught me off guard, they are the fifth favorite, according to DraftKings, if you will, at plus 900. I think they're a good, the Patriots are a good landing spot for Jimmy G, but we'll see. Then you've got the Washington football team at plus 900. That makes sense. They, they tried, like other teams, like the Eagles and the Colts, they've tried the Carson Wentz experiment to no avail. And um, the Miami Dolphins at plus 1,000. And, and I'm with Ricky on this one. I, I'm not... If you tell me that Tua decides, hey, it's not worth playing football anymore, I would not be surprised. I, I really, I think Tua needs to take a, a look inside and be like, listen, if I keep doing this, is this going to be permanent damage? You know, so we'll see. But yeah, there you go. Um, like I said, Jets plus 250, Falcons plus 350, Ravens plus, I'm sorry, Raiders plus 750. Just interesting to see. If Lamar does not return to Baltimore, just a little something to feed. And usually that's like when I get to bounce it off of, of Ricky, um, he gives me, oh, I, there's no way that's going to happen. Or, you know, the the look of disapproval when I'm be like, am I wrong? Copyright Tim Singer, Punt the QB Podcast. So this one's a little more realistic. This is also courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. Tom Brady's next team. Now he's actually a free agent. Now he's 45 and we keep... You know, his life, both on and off the field, has been documented to no end. But he actually is a free agent at the end of the season. If you look at some of the free agent quarterbacks, it's not pretty, you know. Now, Derek Carr technically is still under contract with the Raiders, so he's not a free agent. So I think the best of the class we're looking at is Jimmy G. But, yeah, Tom Brady's next team, according to our friends at DraftKings. Tampa Bay to retain him as the favorite at plus 200. There's no value there. But I... That would surprise me a little bit. You know, they they really, it was his first time in 23 seasons to be under 500. Now, the only reason he'd go back is familiarity. Now, they just fired offense coordinator Byron Leftwich, which is weird because you're talking about a guy who was getting head coaching opportunities in the offseason last year. He actually interviewed for the Bucks head coaching job, and now he gets fired like it's his fault. But I digress. Yep, so Tampa Bay is plus 200. The Raiders plus 250. That makes sense. Josh McDaniels is there. And you dangle Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller in front of Brady, and um, there's a great opportunity. However, I'm not sure if he would trade the NFC South for the AFC West. But they're at plus 250. The San Francisco 49ers at plus 350. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I got the uh, San Francisco 49ers early in the offseason at, at 25 to 1. So I love that ticket I've got. But I did it on the pretense that Brady, who grew up there, was going to end up on the Niners. Be like, hell, look what they're doing with Mr. Irrelevant. Imagine what they'd do with the GOAT. So I think there's some great value there. San Fran is plus 350 to land Tom Brady. So we'll see about that. Um, New England, plus 750. I, I don't know that there's any way that, that return happens. 
but I get why they have to include him. Miami plus 750. Hell, with all the tampering, the Dolphins lost a first-round pick because of tampering with him. We'll see how that plays out. They offered him ownership stakes, so I wouldn't be you know I wouldn't be surprised to see that if Tua decides he's going to step away and Brady sees Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle there and be like, ooh, interesting. Giants plus 900, uh, That I think that'd be a little bit of a surprise. Same thing with the Jets. I don't think there's enough infrastructure on the Jets for Brady to decide to go there. Tennessee at plus 1,500, uh, no way in hell. The only connection there is Mike Vrabel, but uh, no. Seattle plus 1,800, I, again, I, I don't see that coming. The only enticing thing about that is that division is not very good, and he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett there. And the Washington football team comes in at plus 2,000. Again, I... I don't know that I'd see that either. But, you know, like I said, with Brady, you never know. I, I don't know. I think most people thought he was going back to New England when he decided to go back to Tampa. So just some interesting stuff to chew over. Um, you know, let me know what you guys think. Punt QBFF. You know, reach out to us. Reach out to us on YouTube, on Twitter. Let me know what you think. But to that end, we wrap these babies up with our best bets. Okay? Now... I'm going to break my arm, pat myself back on the back just a little bit. On my best bets last week, I was 3-0. and On my money-making opportunities, I pointed out in every game, I was 5-1. and Hell of a week. So, again, I'm going to break my arm, pat myself on the back a little bit. Okay? Pat, pat. There it is. I'm going to get started on this one. I've got the Giants plus 7.5. I talked about it when I was breaking down the game. I, I love the hook. You're going to give me 7.5. Uh, about a team that's playing well. Again, I understand that the Eagles crushed them last time, but give me the Giants plus seven and a half. Again, Cincinnati. I'm going to ride that train until I get kicked off the train. I understand they didn't cover last week, but 13 and three in the regular season cannot be ignored. So give me the Cincinnati Bengals plus the five and a half. And for my third of my best bets, the Dallas-San Francisco under of 46. Again, I know it's no fun betting unders, but... All the things line up here to be a low-scoring affair. People don't like to bet under, so you can get 46. That's good stuff. So give me Dallas and San Fran under the 46. Now, Ricky has given me his picks. He, he's sticking to his formula of only two. Um, I, I guess I do have to mention that he was 0-2 last week, but he, he'll, he'll eat his medicine. So his first of his best bets is Cincinnati and Buffalo's over of 50. I, I could see it. You know, I mean, the Bengals have struggled defensively at times and they have definitely struggled on the offensive line the changes they made there um definitely have led to problems which means we're going to have shootouts so i understand what he's saying so ricky says cincinnati buffalo over 50 and his second of his best bets the san francisco 49ers minus he's got a three and a half so i guess he's shopping around DraftKings says four but as we always tell you guys, in Illinois, there's seven. But depending on your state, there's a lot of different apps. If you like a game, shop around. Get your best bets. Get your best odds. So Ricky's got San Fran minus three and a half. That is our best bets. Now, usually we do a bonus episode where all the fun stuff I got in my legal pad and all the fun stuff that Rick's got in his notepad, we bounce off each other. And, you know, all the inside jokes and the busting balls. We, we fit that into our bonus episode, which we end with a DFS lineup. Now, because we're not doing a bonus episode, and I'm sure y'all are tired of listening to just me ramble on about football, um, no bonus episode. So if you'd like to see our DFS lineups, 
we like to point them out because there's always great values to be had. There's great opportunities. Stack quarterback, a running back, couple receivers. Do a stack and then throw some, find some great values based on the matchups. So if you're looking for DFS lineups, go to our Twitter pages. Uh, we've documented them on multiple occasions, uh, Rick's and mine. So check it out, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the football weekend as much as I do. And um, lift a beer. And thank you for listening to the Punta QB podcast, my friends.